Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart and uh, occasionally even about how to put some other things back together. Um, today, we're going to be talking about something that is increasingly a part of uh, what we like to call the crumbles around here, which is the healthcare system in this country and the hospital system in this country as it uh, kind of gets crunched by COVID. Um, and we're going to particularly talk about a really critical aspect of our entire medical infrastructure that a lot of people don't know about, traveling nurses. Uh, and with me today is our guest, Anne. Anne, you are a traveling nurse from New York to California, all around the country, um, thanks for being on the show. Glad to be here. Yeah. So I live in Colorado and I was a regular staff nurse um, until COVID hit. And, you know, at that time we expected it to crunch everywhere. Um, but my home hospital, like many places that weren't on the coast, um, ended up being really empty when everybody locked down and stopped getting into car accidents and going to parties and all of the other things that bring people into the ER and ICUs. Um, so at that time, I quit my full-time job and went to New York as a travel nurse. Um, and then I've been dancing around hotspots since then. So New York, Texas, Ohio, rural New Mexico. Um, I just finished my third contract in California. I've been up to Oregon. So um, I've seen the healthcare system working and not working in a lot of different places. And also like how much disparity there is in different communities related to COVID as, as, and the healthcare that we can provide. Yeah, and I I am kind of before we move on to some of the specific things going on with travel nurses. What is your sense of like how often 
are you in a place and feel like, well, this the, the, the hospital system here, this particular hospital, they're, they're like right on the edge of a breaking point? Uh, most of the time. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, uh, wear your seatbelts, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, particularly since everyone was able to get vaccinated, right? Like, yeah. to me, I really feel like that, that, that point of like the tipping point of like the quote unquote crumbles Mm-hmm. Kind of like after everybody was a- was able to get their second vaccination, um, and we had so much hope last May and June, and things were reopening, and it was kind of like wow, things could go back to normal. Um, and then, like, I don't believe that's going to happen. And since then, I've seen so much more despair in my coworkers, and I've heard about so many more healthcare suicides, mm-hmm. um, staff nurses, travel nurses, RTs, other ancillary people, and you know, the kind of running joke in a lot of workplaces is like, well, I hope I test positive for COVID because that would be better than coming into work another day. Yeah. Or I hope I get hit by a car so I don't have to come in. Your job, I think, is what a lot of people would, is the people who, you know, are reasonable human beings and and see what you're doing is incredibly necessary, find the, would find the work to be something of a nightmare. I mean, it sounds like horrific um, to have to, to deal with this. I mean, it's, it's, it's not an easy job in the best of times being a nurse, but like with COVID and stuff, it's, it's just, there's so much else on y'all's plates. Um, And one of the things that has happened over the course of the last year, well, almost two years now, um, is that from January, 2020, the advertised pay rates for travel nurses around the country have gone up by about 67%. Um, which in staffing firms have, you know, increased their billing of hospitals by like 28 to 32%. So like this huge raise in what um, travel nurses are demanding and what is getting paid out. And I think a reasonable person would go, well, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) of course. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think anybody would go, any reasonable person would go, well, yeah, of course you guys deserve much more money than that for what you're dealing with right now. Um, I have no problem with this. But people who do have problems with this um, are the American Hospital Association. Um, sure. Among other folks, uh, generally the folks who are seeing this primarily as a, well, now we're spending more money issue as opposed to a, hey, maybe we don't have enough nurses. <laughs> Which right. I, yeah. So um, I, I guess I have maybe a couple of like, comments on that. So one of the sure. things about travel nurses, so if if you're not in the travel field and you say, I want to change hospitals, even if you're an experienced nurse, they will take between a month and six months to go through their hiring process. And then they will give you a week, two weeks, maybe four weeks of orientation. So that's a long process to hire a nurse normally. Yeah. For me as a travel nurse, I will talk to a recruiter. I will say yes. I will be on the road somewhere between four hours to 24 hours later. I will get to the hospital. I will do a bunch of paperwork that is for compliance and makes no difference at all. I will get between two and six hours of orientation, which is basically, here's the bathroom, here's the storeroom, this is what we're going to audit in the charts. And then I'm expected to take care of complex, actively dying patients. So, so, you know, people complain about how much we're getting paid, but if you only have two hours of like, where's the bathroom? And like, Mm -hmm. this is how you get, and most of the time you're spending with IT being like, hey, I need computer access, buddy. And then there you are and you're in the thick of it with no backup, you know, so you already have to be an expert in your field and you have to be able to walk into an unfamiliar chaotic situation and hit the ground running immediately. 
So yes, making 120 bucks an hour is a lot of money, but I don't know that that's so super unreasonable for two hours of like, uh, yeah, it, exit. Now it, take it, care of people who are actively dying and don't screw it up. It's the way we're told the system is supposed to work, right? Like this is how capitalism is supposed to function. The demand for something goes up and the demand for nursing is way the hell up. So the price goes up. Um, If you believe in capitalism, like one assumes these people who are responsible for, you know, paying you and are currently lobbying. So what's happening, I should go back because we didn't note this, but the American Hospital Association and a number of other folks are lobbying Congress right now to put a cap on the amount of money that traveling nurses um, can uh, uh, can can receive, and a number of um, Congress people have said that they're going to be looking into the issue. Several states: Oregon, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Kansas, and Kentucky have introduced legislation that's attempting to cap nurse pay rates. So there's like this huge backlash uh, attempting to lock down the amount of money y'all can continue to get paid. Um, because of all of the things this country, I guess, has money for the people dealing with the, I don't know what, what I don't know how many millions of additional sick and dying people um, are, are, are kind of beyond what these folks are willing to shell out for. Um, <laughs> have I gotten right. the size of that? <laughs> and I mean, to clarify, so uh, uh, in a FEMA contract, so what a lot of the contracts I take are, so the nurse is making between 100 and $125 an hour. And maybe you also have a tax-free stipend or you don't, kind of depending on how you are in that. And then, but the bill rate to the hospital is usually like 220, 240. So the legislation is against the agencies because the agencies are making between 40 to 60%. Of course, the agency is then going to say, hey, well, we aren't going to pay you as much because we still want the same cut. Yeah. My understanding, so the trickle-down effect is likely going to be travel nurse wages, Mm. but- my understanding is it's asking the FTC to take enforcement against the travel nurse agencies because the agencies, they're the ones that say they have the person on the phone that says, Hey, you have these credentials. We want to send you to this hospital. Yes or no. We've got this hotel arranged or we don't, or, you know, those types of, and we're going to do this type of onboarding. So they have their own kind of infrastructure and they take, you know, half 60% of the cut. And so some of those people are making a lot of money too. Yeah, and it seems like it's kind of the situation where the way this is being framed, they're trying to crack down on these people who are kind of profiteering or could be argued to be profiteering off the situation um, rather than trying to cap the amount that that the nurses can make, so to speak, um, or at least not by as much. Uh, but the overall effect will be that because of the way these companies work, y'all will still wind up making less money. Um, right. Yeah. How um, – Within the traveling nurse community, what is kind of where are people right now with this? Like, what is what is kind of the mood? Um, so I think there's a couple of things to note. So in the FEMA contracts, they're usually 60 to 72 hour contracts. So you're working back to back to back to back. So mm-hmm. you know, I'll mm-hmm. do 80 hour weeks sometimes. Sure. And most people are not white women like me. This is mostly first and second generation immigrants and generally people of color. Um, so these are not people that are saving for Lamborghinis. These are people Mm -hmm. that are paying off their student loans because a lot of them went to private nursing schools because that was kind of what was accessible to them because of all of the disparity in education and opportunities. These are people that are trying to pay off their mortgages. These are people who are paying off their parents' houses. Um, So this kind of idea that like nurses are greedy is, Mm -hmm. I think, really unfair (laughs) because most of us are just trying to like (laughs) 
you know, make a life that works. And also you can't do 80 hour contracts 52 weeks out of the year. No, it, it, I mean, doing it for any extended period of time, I've, I've worked those kind of hours in, in a generally uh, less stressful uh, working environment. Um, and it like, it breaks you down um, over time. Like you, you can't do that at, at, at any time in your life for one thing, like, um, right. And you can't do that forever. And it sounds like this is kind of a lot of people are taking it as, as like, this is an opportunity. I can get my parents out of debt. I can I can get a house. Um, I can save for my kids. to. I can pay off my own college. Like it's a chance for a lot of these people by putting in an, an unbelievable amount of effort to get ahead. Uh, and I, I can't, can't even imagine the frustration at seeing so many people be like, well, no, not so fast. <laughs> And I mean, one of the things that people are bringing up is, right, like, it, in the same way that, you know, we struggle to want to pass minimum wage laws for the undocumented immigrants that pick our food and, you know, support this infrastructure that is totally unseen, now that we have, you know, what is mostly first and second generation immigrants that are working these FEMA contracts, right, like, you're targeting a section of the population that are not the people that have doubled, tripled their wealth in the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are not all of the people that got the small business loans that didn't need them. And, you know, and have, are just putting all of that money into stock, right? These are not, these are people that just want a middle-class American dream <laughs> and we're willing yeah. to work really, really hard for it. And I mean, there, these are people who are asking, can I have the thing we're all promised if I spend 80 hours a week watching people in a lot of cases choke out their last fucking breaths, is that okay? And a lot of people are saying, oh, of course not. Right. And, you know, so we're taking care of dying people while we're getting yelled at at the phone of like, is cursing allowed on the show or not? Absolutely. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a family member saying, you're fucking imprisoning her on a ventilator. I'm going to come for you. Where do you fucking live? You know, we have to get security involved. Um, you know, we get death threats. I've had people like threaten to find where I live and rape me. Jesus um, fucking Christ. And so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, 67% isn't enough like, of a race. Taking care, <laughs> care of your dying loved one who yeah. also probably would say those same things to me because I would say, hey, please be vaccinated. And they would say, fuck you. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still going to do everything I can to take care of them. And I'm going to endure this abuse. And like, yeah, if I'm going to leave my home and the safety of a hospital that works and go into these total clusterfucks of hospitals where... The educator has left, the manager has left, the director has left. So there's no leadership. It's 80% travelers, some of which are great, some of which are also hot messes, and trying to take care of these people, then like, yes, I want to be paid accordingly for it. Yeah. Now, would, would I trade that for a uh social um a social safety net of health insurance? Because I have to get private health insurance, which is shady. <laughs> Um, I don't get any disability insurance. Mm -hmm. I have no sick leave. Right, because you're 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 a pinch hitter. You're not like salaried right. anywhere. Yeah. So would I trade this high salary for a social safety net? Personally, I would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, nobody's gonna say like, yes, you will be able to retire with dignity if you play by all of these rules. They don't believe that. I want to make the money. Yeah. It, I mean, we're all always in this kind of like, yeah, sock away as much as you can while it's coming situation. And right. geez, especially if you're, especially if you're doing something you're going to need to recover from later. Right. right? Like th this is, 
I, I, you know, I've, I've done overseas work. I understand kind of the nature of like trauma. And while you're doing the job at the rate you're doing it, you're also like pushing off a day of reckoning mentally. And right. yeah, by no, God, having a cushion is... of savings helps with that. <laughs> yeah. Like in the middle of it, you're in it. And then, you yeah. know, sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months. Um, I hiked the Colorado Trail for mental health. And half of those nights I had ICU nightmares. So I was in of these course. beautiful yeah. middle of nowhere places where everything was quiet. I would wake up with all of the beeps and people dying in my head night after night Jesus. after night, you know? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm angry that they don't want to compensate me for that because I mean, they're definitely not paying for my therapist. They definitely like aren't giving me access to disability if I need it. Right. Like, yeah. Bean dad, the dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but... 
you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Because obviously, again, you're you're a contractor, effectively. Um, right. There's not like a union for traveling nurses, is there? Or, or am I wrong about that? No. So, I mean, the only thing you have is your negotiating power. Um, sure. So I have eight years of experience between emergency and ICU um, and a lot of very um, big and highly regarded hospitals. So I'm a hot commodity to them. So I can kind of pick and choose um, who I want to work with compared to someone that has less desirable specialties. Mm. Not that those specialties don't also work as hard, but they're just harder. They're easier to staff. So therefore they're not. Yeah. It's a market thing. Sure. Right. It's a market thing. I definitely don't believe that my specialties are more like inherently valuable just in terms of the market. Um, So, you know, so I get, I can, I have the luxury of turning down contracts that aren't what I want, but I mean, I have no idea what I'm walking into. So on Monday I'll walk into somewhere um, they said, you'll do some paperwork, you'll get your orientation, you'll have, it'll all be, it'll be a busy day and then you'll be on your own. And I have no idea. Sometimes you're oriented in one unit and you never see that unit again. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, you have no idea what you're walking into. And how, how long are these contracts generally for? So before COVID, the standard nursing contract was 13 weeks. Okay. Um, since COVID, a lot of them are shorter and I've only done short contracts because if it's a decent place, then I can renew and stay longer usually. And if it's a bad place, then I'm pretty happy to get out early. Um, so I do between four and eight week contracts Okay. and I usually do 60 plus hours a week. Is there any kind of like organization that you've seen come together a little more between people who are doing this this gig since you don't have kind of representation? Is that something that started to take form in the last two years since COVID? I mean, there's definitely a lot of talk about it. Um, I think like those of us that started traveling since the pandemic, you know, I would say that I've only done crisis contracts. Like I've never done a normal 13 week, 36 hour a week not crisis assignment. Like I've mm-hmm. only gone into the shit show hotspots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore like my needs and desires are different than somebody who likes that previous lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So in some ways it's a little bit hard for us to kind of agree on common goals because we have a lot of different, you know, we're a very diverse group of nurses. Yeah. Um, definitely the million nurse March is kind of a step towards that. Yeah. Tell me about that. What is, what is this? Cause I just learned about this pretty recently. Yeah. Um, so I dropped off the grid for the last five days, which was fantastic for me, but it means I'm also just starting to figure it out. (laughs) Um, so the kind of general idea is that, you know, we have, I think, uh, I'm going to, hopefully I don't get it wrong. 4 million, some nurses in the country, a huge number of nurses in the country and a huge number are dropping out. Um, yeah, you know, hundreds of thousands quit last year. They, I think one estimate is, uh, 500,000 may quit this year. And we were just so people know, tens of thousands of nurses understaffed before COVID nationwide. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things to understand too, is that like, if you work, I don't know, what's a, what's a normal type of job that 
people work. I don't know. Uh, if you work at the DMV. A, a bookman. Oh, right. <laughs> right. If you work at the DMV and the DMV is slow, you will still stay there eight hours and you'll still get paid for your eight hours. Mm-hmm. If you are a normal nurse and you work 36 hours and the ER is running slow, yeah. they could say, we're just canceling you for the rest of the day. Go home. We won't pay you for those last six hours. And so like, we've always had pretty like flexible, uh, like we've never had like a minute. Most of the places I've worked have never had guaranteed hours. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons to go to travel contracts too, is also so you can at least have guaranteed hours. So there's a lot of kind of protections that nurses have never really had like guaranteed hours um, like, uh, staff ratios. So some States, California and Oregon are, um, two of them. If you go into the ICU, which is the highest level of care. So people are actively dying, actively unstable. Things can go bad within seconds. Usually it's a one nurse will have two patients, um, which is pretty much all you can handle because they're on multiple drips, multiple types of life support, keeping them alive. So ventilators, um, being the one that we see the most, um, And it's really your responsibility to know every inch of that person's body um, and everything going on with them. And you really direct a lot of their care. Um, So two to one kind of makes a lot of sense. Since the pandemic and not having enough nurses, sometimes that's led to three to one or even in bad situations, four to one. So one of the statistics that um, one of the um, kind of nurse influencers and comedians, Nurse Blake, talks about... um, is that for every additional uh, patient that a nurse takes on, and I believe he's talking about med surge, not ICU, mm-hmm. that that patient's um, mortality increases by 7%. So, Ooh. yeah. So asking a nurse to do more with less is not just like, hey, just suck it up, be busier. This is actively contributing to people's disability and early deaths. So one of the things that the Millionaire March um, wants to talk about is mandata- mandated staffing ratios. So ICU would be two to one. Med surge is usually four to one. I think ER, they're asking for three to one. Um, so these have been studied by the American Nurses Association um, and other sort of um, nursing organizations. Um, and not only do they make your job as a nurse so much better because we go into nursing because we want to fix things and take care of people. We want good outcomes, right? Like you don't go into nursing to just run around with your head cut off and watch everyone die, right? Like that's terrible. You go into nursing because you want the people to get better under your care and you want to be able to give them that. And so when you're asked to take care of more patients than you're able to, you're not able to do that. And it just crushes you. Um, so not only is it better for nurse satisfaction, it also saves patients lives and also prevents things that give, um, cause lasting disability, like ventilator associated pneumonia or bed sores or delirium or things like that. So, you know, mandating, um, patient ratios is one of the really big things that the million nurse March is for. Um, there's a lot of talk about pay and living wages, you know, like every section, Housing prices and inflation have gone through the roof. Sure, because you've got to like be renting a spot whenever you're like the hospital ain't putting you up. Right. <clears throat> well, and for staff nurses too, right? Like if you're, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're, maybe they gave you a two percent raise, but hey, rent increased thirty percent. Sure. Um, I used to be on the interview board at my old hospital, and we would just tell people like, if you're moving to Denver as a single person, we lose most of our nurses because they haven't looked at housing. So like they'll accept a job and then they'll look for a place to live and be like, Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. afford to live here. So, Hey, like, I mean, we can't ask if you're single moving here, but like, you probably can't afford to live here with what we're going to pay you. 
I mean, cool. I, I, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's so eternally frustrating that like the one thing that everybody, when you sit them down, agrees is is incontrovertibly necessary, medical care. Um, we can agree on a lot of things, but not how to make sure the people doing it uh, have a good quality of life and good income. Like we can, we have all these fun fun rules that make it possible to charge X number of thousand dollars for a dose of insulin. Um, but we don't just have a law that's like, hey, if if you're working full time as a nurse, uh, maybe you shouldn't have to be housing insecure. I don't know how do you make that into a law, but it seems like there should be some option for a country that can make some of the things we make. Yeah, I mean, tying wages to housing prices mm-hmm. seems like I don't know sure. me not being an economist and not being an administrator. Like that sounds super easy to me. Like yeah. housing goes up fifteen percent, everybody gets a fifteen percent raise. <laughs> like, yeah, well, sure, I mean, uh, th- I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but it seems super simple to yeah. send a guy around with a stick to threaten landlords when they raise rent. <laughs> like, there's we, we can debate the answers to this. Sure. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife... The Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you think... I mean, not not that like you have any sort of comprehensive knowledge of all of the people doing this, but like, do you think there's a possibility of like a wildcat strike, which is again for people who maybe are, is when there's a strike of workers who are not unionized? Um, I mean, to some extent, with everybody quitting to do travel nursing, it's not so different. I mean, some mm-hmm. units have lost eighty percent of their staff. Good to travel Lord. nursing. Yeah, right. Um, like. It, when a unit says, oh, well, we lost 50% of your, my staff, I'm kind of like, well, you did better than most, you know? Um, so in some ways it's already happening. And in, in that same way, I am seeing hospitals give better incentives to their this, uh, nurses that have stayed, um, either retention bonuses or um, increasing bonuses for, pick, for core staff picking up extra shifts um, or kind of other perks like increasing education benefits or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think hospitals are responding to like, hey, we don't want to lose these people to traveling. Like, can we tip the balance a little bit? And I think, you know, overall hospital leadership is moving slower than they need to. Um, but I mean, at least they're moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in that way, I can see a wildcat strike um, just coming from the kind of labor forces at play. Um, and I could. And I mean, there were. One of the hospitals in the South, I think it was Alabama, all of their staff, their staff coordinated um, so that the shift that was on agreed to stay late because you can't, because abandoning patients um, can put your license at risk, right? So if we all walked off in the middle of a shift and said, fuck you to the hospital administrators and patients died, then like our license is at risk. So we also have to kind of balance that a little bit. Yeah. But there was a hospital they organized for the day shift basically to stay as late as they needed and night shift all stood outside the hospital and wouldn't refuse to clock it in. So th- sometimes these things are happening in small levels. Um, also, um, interesting. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause that is, it is like, that. yeah. Um, I mean, and that is like such a tough thing to balance just the idea that like, well, you are healthcare workers, like, withholding your labor is a thing that's going to be necessary from time to time. There's also consequences for it that are not present if you're making, I don't know, tires, you know? Yeah. And Um, as much as teachers and nurses are the same, like I I don't think our country cares about educating children as much as it cares about their parents dying, you know? like Yes. For better or worse. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's another subject. Um, is there anything else you wanted to get into today um, before we we close out for the for the episode? Um, I mean, if it's okay with you, and you can cut it if it's not. Um, 
you know, I, I try and tweet about kind of what's happening on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the things that I'm seeing. Um, and I'm mostly finished with a book about the first year on the front line and seven different hospitals and kind of the disparities of between, you know, critical access in New Mexico versus trauma hospitals in, you know, the Bay Area and, and kind of what that first year looked like. Um, so if you want, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's Anne, A-N-N-E, like Anne of Green Gables, Anne R-N, 2020, which is when I started travel nursing. Um, you know, and so that I kind of talk a little bit about like what I'm seeing and what's going on. Um, I was recently in an ER where, you know, people often had to stay outside under the heat lamps for 30 hours waiting for a hospital bed just because everything was so packed. Yeah. So they couldn't even come inside the hospital and they were, you know, waiting um, to get their appendix out and things like that. Yeah. Um, Again, and so, wear, wear your seatbelts and a helmet, right. <laughs> you know, be real, be real careful right now, guys. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, I think the other thing is the blood shortage. Um, so most hospitals are revising their guidelines of who will get a blood transfusion. So you now have to be much more critical before they will give you a blood transfusion. So um, there's a lot of politics around blood donation, but if you feel like you can donate blood, mm-hmm. um, it's really desperately needed. Um, yeah. And people are going to wear your seatbelts because people are really going to legitimately die because we run out of blood. Yeah. Um, boy, howdy, please wear your seatbelts, folks. Um, just, just hunker down for a little while. No, no new risky experiments in life for, for just a minute. <laughs> Not the time to take up skydiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe avoid that. Maybe don't go skiing. Uh, if you haven't gone skiing before, um, I just did that and broke my wrist cause I'm, I'm exactly as dumb as the people <laughs> I'm trying to warn. And then I guess just Check in with your mental, with your, the mental health of your healthcare workers. Cause I mean, so many people have, you know, I think a lot of us are dealing with at least passive sort of like, fuck, maybe I should just drive off the road instead of going into work today sort of thoughts, you know? And for a lot of us, that's just that fleeting thought. And then we get our shit together. But for some people, it's going to be more than that. And, you know, nursing is one of those things where people have defined themselves by their career. And they need people in their lives saying, like, if you are never a nurse again, you are still valued. You are still loved. Just being alive is enough. And this is how, you know, we can help take care of you if you need to quit for three months, you know. Um, And supporting people with their intrinsic value rather than, like, you are only productive and valuable because you are there saving lives. Because I think a lot of us really get stuck in that. And a lot of us are drawn into nursing because we feel some lack of worthiness without it, you know? Well, that's the hard thing to get other people to do because in part, this is a society where we just have such generally crummy attitudes towards mental health. But like, we're great at at saying things like, oh, you know, there's a pandemic. Our healthcare workers are heroes. You're all heroes because of the work that you're doing. The work makes you a hero as opposed to saying, hey, thank you for doing that. I know things are still fucked up right now, but if you decide you got to like take a break or whatever, you know, you're, 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 that doesn't mean you like what you did was still wonderful and you're still great and valuable. And maybe the best thing is for you to take that break and not drive yourself off of a cliff. Yeah. 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 That's, that's harder to get people to like wave banners that say outside of their apartment complexes. Right. (laughs) But maybe you'd be good if people were like, banging on pots to like let healthcare workers know that no matter what they do, they're valued members of the community that people love. Um, but 
Yeah. All right. Well, Anne, thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, I hope uh, you you hold together and help the people in your life hold together, which is all any of us can really do other than wear a seatbelt. Yeah. And thank you for being a part of the conversation. And thank you for, you know, listening to hard things. And, you know, that's one thing that I think we really appreciate is people who will actually listen with open hearts and, and witness this with us so that we're not alone in it. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.